Welcome to my podcast. My name is Jamin Gerker. I'm a realtor in South Central Alaska, and my mission is to help people build intentional and significant legacies for themselves and their families by coaching them in real estate. Uh, Nicole, I'm going to ask for your, uh, well, kind of beg for your forgiveness for a little bit here. Um, I thought it was automatically going to go live here. I didn't realize that I had to had to click the button. So <laughs> all of that, uh, that beautiful dialogue. Oh, that's okay. It's, it, was, it was great that for was me. That was rehearsal. It was it rehearsal. Was re- it was rehearsal. It's, it's good. It's good. <laughs> it, was gr- yeah. it was great for me. All right. For those of you who are jumping on, my name's Jamin. You know me. I am... I apologize. I didn't realize I had to click the little live button, thought it automatically went live. So uh, welcome to the live stream. Today, we're going to be talking about the logistical challenges of of moving up here to Alaska. And um, I have my um, good friend who is very patient, Nicole Cleary, and she works for a moving company. And she's going to be answering all the questions that we could possibly have about moving up here. Um, Just a couple of housekeeping things real quick here for those of you who are jumping on the best live streams are the ones where we have as many many comments as much engagement as possible so if you guys do have questions this is going to be the best place to do it um, also i have a, a website issue right now i'm noticing I, I don't know what happened but those of you who might be trying to reach out to me through that uh, probably the best way to do it is to just do so through my facebook page right now and um yeah without further ado nicole if you can just Resay everything <laughs> verbatim that you did for the last couple of minutes. So we were kind of talking about the the big logistical uh, pitfalls that a lot of people don't think about as they're moving up here. So yeah, so one, especially during COVID, that I run into a lot is people that are wanting to ship their goods and drive through Canada. And I do get quite a few calls where they're. I tell them not to do that because you get to the border and there's specific stuff that you cannot have on your history as a human (laughs) to get through Canada. And a lot of times we'll get phone calls. Hey, we can't get through Canada. Can you help us out? So I always tell people call customs and border protection. Make sure you can get through in advance so that you can not have these issues when you hit the border. Um, That's one thing that can cause issues moving up here. Um, I mean, there's just so many that you can think of that I can think of. Um, in particular, you mentioned about how moving stuff to make sure stuff that's fragile doesn't get broken or whatnot. Um, so we use the barge system, Alaska Marine Lines and Matson for specific moves, depending on where you're at. Um, so that way your shipment can be loaded into the into those containers and not rehandled when they get to the Port of Washington or to our office to be transloaded. Um, transloading your shipment is a huge, we try to do our best, I should say, so your stuff doesn't get damaged. But the more you handle a shipment, the more likely your stuff could get damaged. So, so it's actually when you're switching like between barges or switching so, the barge to that's when the damage can actually happen. Yeah, when you have to take a shipment, a large shipment out of a container and put it into a container coming to Alaska, a lot of times we, you know, you do your checkoff and stuff, but the more you handle a shipment, the more likelihood that there is something that is going to get damaged. I mean, even in a shipment that you load into a container or 
whatever containers you use, whether it be a, a wooden shipping crate for smaller moves or a large container like a 53 foot AML going to Juno or Skagway, you know, it, it, depending on the mode of transportation, sometimes those have to be offloaded into a different container and that alone could have damage to your goods. So, you know, ideally it's good to reach out and make sure you get a survey done then we can decide what mode of transportation you need in order for you to make sure you don't have those damages. Gotcha. Okay. So how many, how many like offloading, like switching modes of transportation where they'll, will there usually be if we're going somewhere that's um, a little bit more common, like let's say Matsu Valley, Anchorage. Um, uh, we might even say uh, Kenai Peninsula, somewhere like that. So when a shipment gets here, if it's on one of our through vans, um, often we'll have to offload it into a smaller truck if it's a smaller shipment. Going to the Kenai Peninsula, um, I mean, that's a really dangerous road. We do send our trucks, our big tractor trailers out there. If it comes up on a 53, 45 or a 40 foot container, we'll, we'll hook up to those and we'll go. Um, so logistically, we can do that. We can pretty much anywhere in Alaska. The only time that there's going to really be extra handling is if you go to the Kink Salmons, the Dillinghams, any of those villages, because we can't drive there. So then you're offloading, you're palletizing, you're flying it out, and then you're sending a crew out. So it just depends on where you're actually moving. If you're moving to the Matsu Valley, we really don't have to handle it if it's on one of our through vans or in one of those other containers. We just hook up and we go and we deliver. Right. That's that's pretty straightforward. Yeah. So for someone who's coming up from the lower 48, um, what what timeline does it usually take to get your stuff from point A to point B? And I obviously that literally is as as much variety as if you were coming <laughs> from anywhere in the country. So yeah. Um, um, let's so, let's say let's say Miami, Florida. We'll do the extreme, and then we'll do Washington to get the other extreme. <laughs> so it depends on when you're moving. So right now we have one sailing a week in a lot in Alaska. One sailing out, one sailing in. Um, so unless you use Matson or the barge service, and it's a little bit different. But if I had somebody asking me for a quote coming from Miami to Alaska this time of year right now through into February, I would be telling them five to six weeks transit time. Gotcha. Okay. At the and that's, worst case scenario. Yeah. Gotcha. Just kind of on the, on the worst side. Yeah. Um, what are some things that can like, is there anything they can do that's going to make it um, kind of a quicker transition period or is it just, that's just the logistics doesn't really yeah. matter. Anything else it, you do. During the summertime, things move a little bit faster because we have two salines with tote. Uh, we use Tota Motion Trailer Express for our trailers. Um, so the transit time, there's two salines a week. You have one on Wednesday, one on Sunday, and that's routine all the way through. It's not until the wintertime when that cuts back to one sailing a week. So if you want a faster transit, ideally you'd want to do something more so in the spring, summertime. But when you're getting into our time frame now into February, the, you, you got one sailing a week and then weather dependent, there can be delays. Even if the shipment got here, um, got here on time, we may not be able to deliver you right away because of the weather, our scheduling or anything like that. So that plays a lot of into the factors as well. 
Gotcha. And I mean, that's, <laughs> yeah, it's also uh, assuming we're not having earthquakes or hurricanes in Florida or anything like that, too. Yeah, that's a play <laughs> factor. <laughs> gotcha. We won't have one of those again for a while. Yeah, hopefully not. I, I guess we had a hurricane of our, our own up here, too. So <laughs> yeah, we did. It's, uh, what was it? Um, Gnome? Yeah, Gnome. Yeah, yeah. Which actually, let me uh, let me pull that up here on the map for those of you who are interested. I have an idea for what we're talking about because I had some people reach out. They were really concerned that, um, yeah, really concerned that I was in harm's way up here. And uh, yeah, not not so much. So this is going to be kind of the South Central Alaska right over here, Anchorage, Matsu Valley over here. Let me go in just a little bit more so you can see it. So, yeah, this is going to be kind of South Central Alaska. Nome is way over here. Yeah. Not a whole lot of people live over there. So, yeah. I mean, we had a, a pretty large storm that just rolled through there and just wrecked that whole area. But... You know, when most of your state lives over here, you're not going to hear a whole lot about it. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So let me ask you real quick, then, what are some things that people can do that's going to help them kind of prepare to move as they're you know, trying to trying to get this figured out? Because, you know, a lot of people, they kind of get overwhelmed once they start looking at it and they don't really start breaking it down into bite-sized chunks that they can actually, you know, start working towards. So yeah. uh, what are some things that people can, can start doing? Um, one of the things most people are concerned with is cost. So like I said, if you're moving North, it's going to cost more money to move here than it is to move out. Um, one of the biggest things that I always tell people, if you haven't seen it, if you haven't used it or you haven't moved it in over, over six months, then you don't need it. Um, if you're worried about cost, get rid of it. Facepage is a great place, marketplace to sell your stuff, make some extra money to put it to, towards your move cost. Um, you know, there's that um, and plan accordingly. So if you're wanting to plan your move in May, you want to start planning your move in January. You want to be on a moving company's books in, let's say, February and March for May, because if you wait till the last minute and call somebody, we're booked. We're booked for May starting in, in April and March. And during the summertime, book a month out, book two months out, just so that you have that time frame to like start going through stuff. You want to get your survey done so you know how much weight you have. That gives you an idea of what you can get rid of to lower your weight, to lower your cost. Um, you want to make sure that you get and select your mover of whoever it shall be and make sure that they're legit. Go and check them on Better Business Bureau, Yelp, Google, check the ratings. If you have any questions, you can call Better Business Bureau is like my number one go to. They're they're great. Um, if they got a high rating there, then you're you're you've got a move good moving company. Um, so stuff like that will help. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, I mean, definitely, definitely check that because I've heard some stories about some smaller operations in like towns that I don't want to bash them or anything just across the board. But yeah. sometimes where if they're the the only show in town, then mm -hmm. sometimes their their attitude is, well, you don't like it. Well, what yeah. are you going to do? Like, <laughs> yeah, <you're> SOL. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, 
You know, just, I mean, the Dakotas of the world, the New Mexico's of the world, any of the Dakota Dakotas, um, south or north are very extremely hard to move in and out of. Um, we have for our Atlas drivers prefer not to go into those areas. So if you're moving in and out of those areas, you want to really get on the ball ASAP. If you know you're moving in a year, get on the ball because then we can logistically try to figure out a, a pack and load spread where we can have a driver just come in, pack and load you. It's an Atlas driver, a qualified driver. You're not getting two men in a truck. You're getting a, a real mover. And so in those areas, you definitely need to plan in advance. No, I totally, you know, that's, that's kind of strange hearing you say that for some reason I would have thought like the Dakotas would, be a slightly more aggressive Oklahoma and just kind of being flat, but it's actually pretty, uh, pretty tough logistically, huh? Oh yeah. That's like, probably we get moves from there and occasionally we're like, Oh, not really that great. <laughs> it's very hard to service because drivers don't want to go in there. And really, is it just like, so windy or? it's just, it's, you don't have, we don't have but one or two Atlas agents in those areas. And so when you only have one Atlas agent and you have to use an Atlas agent, you're at their mercy. You know, I mean, it's one of those things. It's just one of those locations that it's very difficult to service, but we do it. And I've moved a bunch. I've got one going on right now. It's, it's great. I actually have my driver from one of my drivers from Seattle is swinging in and grabbing her, but I mean, it's, you know, you have to have a, a 10 to seven day pickup window to give a driver time to come in there and pack and load direct, which like in this case is loading on one of our trailers. It's coming direct to Alaska. So it's, you know, it's, it's a great opportunity. Right. Right. Yeah. So yeah, going all the way from South Dakota to Barrow, that'll, uh, <laughs> that'll be the new trend, I'm sure. Oh yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. 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 So we've got some, got some questions here. So let me go and pull this one up here. And this comes from Alicia and it is, is it worth doing a combination between shipping your stuff on a container and driving part of it up on the Alcan? So I'll let you go ahead and weigh in on that. Um, well, the thing is, is when you're moving, it's based off of weight. So however much weight you have will determine what your cost is. The lower the weight, the higher the rate is, but the less you pay. Um, and then you also risk of, can you get it through, out, through the Alcan? Do you know what the rules and regulations are, what you can and cannot ship? If you don't know that and you get to the Alcan, you could be turned around and then you're going to be calling saying, hey, can you come and get me? Or can I drop this stuff off in Seattle and then have it picked up or, you know, have you guys pick it up or drop it off in Seattle? So is that, uh, is that something you guys see fairly often? Uh, the last couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. Quite a bit. Yep. Yeah. I've, I've kind of noticed just across the board with, um, yeah, with, uh, trying to get across the border that, you know, they're, uh, I mean, their job isn't to kind of roll out the welcome mat, but no. it's kind of, but just in general, but the last couple of years, it's kind of been yeah, it's ramped hard. up. Yeah. And also you got to remember, um, so what I would do if it was me personally, I would get a quote of moving all of my household goods from point A to point B. And then I would take that quote and then I would figure out the gas, the hotels, the food, 
Do you have kids? Do you have pets? All of that plays into a factor. And if it equals out to be more than if you hired a moving company, then hire the moving company and get a one-way ticket from Seattle or wherever you're at to Alaska. And you're, you're saving yourself money essentially. Um, so, I mean, that's what I would do. Right. Right. So are there, um, are there any things, uh, let me actually, let me just get to the next question. That's probably, probably going to answer that. So next question we have here is what about firearms? So if you were, I mean, that's just kind of the, the nature of people moving up yep. to Alaska. Um, yep. <laughs> we've got guns. So yep. for people trying to them. bring guns up here, what's the, the best way in your experience to go about doing that? If you're moving with us, we can ship all of your guns. We just can't ship ammunition. Um, ammunition is not allowed. Any hazmat materials is not allowed, but firearms are allowed. We ship them in every shipment, pretty much, unless it's a specific account that will not allow us to ship them, then then we don't. But if it's just you moving and you have 100,000 guns, if you want us to move them, we'll move them with your household goods. I hope you don't have that many guns, but you never know. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, um, you might have a couple questions, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm being a little worried there. <laughs> just a little bit. Yeah. So... I guess for the ammo, you just, you can't ship that. Nope. Um, do you just uh, get in contact with like a, um, like a gun store up here and um, have them ship it or how does that work? Yeah, you can do that. You can also, if you're flying in, you can also carry it that way. Um, Carlisle out of Anchorage or, or Washington, you can get with them. They do ship ammunition in and out of Alaska. Um, don't think Alaska Marine Lines does. I don't and never have asked them. Typically, I leave it up to my customers to figure out how to get their ammo here. But I do give them Carlisle's name. They're a good recommendation or do gun dealer to gun dealer for am ammunition. Um, some people just carry it on them through on the airplane if they don't have a whole lot. Gotcha. Yeah, I um, helped someone move up here a little while ago and he had like thousands and no way I take it back. He had thousands of rounds at the time, but he found out um, not at the Canadian border, but found out with the Canadians that they would allow, I think, so don't, don't quote me on this, but I think he said you can get up to 500 rounds going through Canada, just not the actual firearm. But I think that might be dependent on what the firearm it's used for. So like handguns, you can't get handguns through Canada. So if you have ammunition for a handgun, they're probably not going to let that through. I, I mean, I don't know that for sure, but I would think that that would be common practice. Yeah, I, I would think so, too. I mean, just kind of the Canadians being Canadians. Um, that's yeah. what I would expect. Yeah. <laughs> if you're Canadian, don't uh, don't roast me in the comment section. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let me go ahead and move on here to a couple more questions. Um, just kind of for myself. So for a lot of people like being... Um, really budget conscious, I'm sure is something a lot of people are, are, you know, trying to, to be aware of as they're moving up here. Um, what are some other ways they can try to, I mean, we've talked about kind of consolidating stuff down. Um, are there any other things they can do that if they're really budget conscious and let's just say that's the most important thing, that's, that would be something good for them to know. I mean, like I said, ultimately it's based on weight. So if you have less, you know, lower the weight, then the less the cost is going to be. Um, you know, if you only have, 
if you have a lot of books and you have somebody here in Alaska, mail them book rate or media mail. That's a good way to get rid of some of that. Um, but ultimately, however much weight you have is what your cost is going to be based off of. Um, most quotes are good for 30 days. So you could get a quote in advance and then have a survey done and then requote um, and help you get rid of stuff. Um, but again, if you're moving into Alaska, everything you buy here is more expensive. So is it really worth it to get rid of those those items? Um, one thing that I have done with other customers, especially here in Alaska, is they'll have a studio apartment and they'll I'll tell them rent a U-Haul, bring it to my warehouse. We'll help you on, load it into our dock. We'll inventory it, do the whole thing. We're just not picking it up and then load it into the crates and send it down. Um, typically, a crated shipment is one to five rooms maximum, which fit into these big crates that we ship with the military. That's your best bet in and out of Alaska for a cheaper move. Um, but again, it is based off weight. So if you want to keep your costs low, you want to keep your weight low. Right. Does it go off of volume? at all the only time volume plays a factor is when you have a crated shipment so one to five rooms that's one to five crates um and the um cost from seattle to let's say arizona is based off of volume as well as the weight um, and it goes off the gross weight, not the net. So when we do a crated shipment, we do it based off the net weight. So you're not charged on the weight of the crate. You're only charged of the goods that are in the crate. Um, so it, it does play a factor, but it's not a huge factor. So typically because of the volume of a crated shipment, it's so condensed. You're not using a 20 foot container. You're using a, a crate that's 85 by 45 by 85. They're small. They're like a pod like that they use in the lower 48 um, and they're now using here. Um, they're like a U-Haul pod. So they're small and they're condensed. And ideally with those, you want to get as much as you can in the least amount of space. So that way your transportation from Seattle to wherever isn't going to be high and it isn't going to affect it. But gotcha. It, yeah. Gotcha. So as long as you're not shipping like 2000 pounds of toilet paper, you probably should be okay. Yeah. Well, yeah, you'd be good. <laughs> Good deal. Have you guys seen um, an increase in, because I mean, I know gas is, is really going up here. How has that impacted y'all and your, and um, kind of the prices at the end of the day to the consumer? Well, we hadn't had a rate increase for our transportation in a while, but we did. We've had a rate increase on our pack because of the packing material, the wood um, and everything. Really? So gas, so the gas, uh, the transportation rate hasn't gone up, but the no. material for the wood has. Transportation has gone up. Yeah. Oh, it has. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. 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 It has. It, it's gone up quite a bit, especially with the new fuel. I mean, fuel being as it is, our fuel surcharge is super high. Um, but not only is it that the fuel surcharges and the fuel increase, but you do have the more increase for the packing materials alone for the boxes, the paper, the wood for the crates, stuff like that. So overall, it, it, it was a huge jump this year. So, I mean, I, I know it's the million dollar question. Um, when we're talking about moving, uh, let's see, what's, I'm trying to think here. Let's say like a, a family with about three kids. Um, let's, how much, tonnage weight would you expect for a family of that size 
So a good rule of thumb, and I always tell this, and it's pretty accurate for the most part, is a thousand pounds per room. Doesn't matter okay. how big your family size is, it's the number of rooms. So that's not just your three bedrooms, it's three bedrooms, living room, dining room, kitchen. You don't have to count the bathrooms unless you got 20 of them. Um, but then you've got your bonus room, your office, any garages, sheds and stuff like that. Each one of those, if you have a two car, car garage and it's fully packed, that's considered like three rooms. So on a household of three kids, full family, all of that, typically the weight can run anywhere from 10,000 to 20,000 pounds. It just depends on how much they have in there. I've seen a family of three that has a house, you know, in Golden View and they have like 8,000 pounds because their house is virtually empty. And then you get the same family somewhere else and it's so packed full that you just don't know. I mean, you do a survey the best you can to figure it out, but it could be, again, 10 to 20,000 pounds. Those are big big shipments. Usually a full family is going to be up there and to the 10, 15,000 pounds. Gotcha. So if we're looking at, at, let's just say like 10,000 pounds mm -hmm. and they're trying to move in from somewhere. Uh, let's, let's do something a little, a uh, little medium, not quite Miami. Let's do something like Colorado. So let's say someone's moving up from Colorado to South central Alaska. Um, obviously it's not going to be precise, Oh, it's yeah. not going to be precise. I'm going to throw it off the top of my head and it's going to okay. be high because okay. it depends on the different modes of transportation. So on the high side, just throwing it out there, you're looking about at probably 280, 280 per hundred pounds. So $28,000 northbound from Colorado. And that's on the high side. Um, we have different options for modes of transportation. So we can, especially here in Alaska, if you're moving to Alaska, do not contact anybody down in the lower 48, contact a mover from Alaska, because we, we know the tricks of moving in and out of Alaska to try to save our customers money, but on a shipment coming northbound and, and even, even the 280 per hundred is probably on the lower side. I mean, it can be. I mean, in Florida, I would be saying about 390 per hundred pounds. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that, that doesn't sound really that, that off the wall like that. That sounds like it's pretty on the money. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I don't know. Have you been following like the local politics and the um, kind of the, uh, the name bashing back and forth with uh, yeah. Kelly Shibaka? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. for those of you, yeah. So yeah, um, I, I I actually was listening to that this morning, and when they said eighty thousand dollars for a move, I don't know where she moved out of, but unless she had, there's just no way. I mean, I I moved a lady, and this is just moving to Washington from here, and she had thirty thousand pounds, and her move didn't cost over sixty thousand dollars, and that was a full, two full trailers, full packing, accessorials, everything. So for her to have, yeah, no, no, there's no way. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know. Cause the issue is like, for those of you who aren't aware, we have uh, Kelly Shabaka. She's running for, uh, running for the, the Senate, mm -hmm. I believe Congress. We'll just say Congress. That's a safe, yeah. it's a safe term to use. Um, so she's running for the running for Congress 
And prior to that, she worked over in Juno. Juno is kind of a more remote capital. And yeah. she was moving over from Washington, D.C. So, you know, way polar opposites, like sides of the world. But um, kind of the, the campaign, the other side's running right now is they're saying, well, she spent $80,000 moving up here and, you know, all on tax dollar, uh, taxpayers dollars. And like, I, I don't know, like what's what would be normal also like i guess it also comes down in kind of the time of year too does it um not really not for juno i okay. mean depending on i mean i could get logistics on this for you and tell you probably the exact numbers but um going to juno depending on how much weight she had i mean you're using the barge system um if, if they used alaska marine lines and she was in a full 53 foot container but then you get into Juno, then there's other issues. I mean, a lot of those places, they're not accessible. And then you got a shuttle charge. And if she had any bulky items and there's lulls, I mean, it, it could technically be going to Juno. It could easily be that depending on who she moved with, what the discounts were, how she moved in there, when she moved in there. If you move into Juno in the winter and you got a shipment loaded in a 53 foot container, they, they can't deliver that like that in that container so they have to do a shuttle so i mean yeah depending on how much weight she had yeah it could be totally eighty thousand, especially in juno here not so much not 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 in eagle river anchorage area yeah i uh, if you're paying eighty thousand dollars to to ship stuff to eagle river anchorage yeah you uh you better get on the phone with somebody <laughs> yeah there'd be an issue there i'd be that'd be uh i'd be that'd be a red flag <laughs> yeah just just a little bit yeah so really kind of my, my last question here, really on the logistical side. And uh, for those of you in the, the live stream, if you have any other questions about that, like this is, uh, this is your chance, speak now or forever hold your peace. Um, are there any household items that are a little trickier to get to Alaska? Um, no, we can pretty much move anything. Um, UTVs, ATVs, snow machines, kayaks. Um, we prefer not to move boats. Um, and if you were to call me, I would be telling you to call somebody else for the boat, depending on what it was. So obviously if it's a yacht, no can do. Um, you know, if it's just a little duck boat or a kayak or a, ding a, a dinghy is what they're called, I believe, um, then those we can move. Um, I can't say that we've had anything that I haven't been able to move outside of a big, huge boat, like on a trailer. Um, for the most part, you, I've moved an airplane. Um, really? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And I actually just had a quote from a guy moving an airplane. It was disassembled. Of course, it was one of the small little float plane type deals. Um, it can be done. It's a little bit more expensive because it's not household goods. So the commodity is different. Um, but I mean, I've been doing this for 20 plus years, so you name it and I'm, I've moved it, <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't really have an issue. And if you, if somebody tells me this is what I've got, this is what we need to do. I'll figure it out one way or another. And if I can't, I'll be very forthcoming and to say, I'm sorry, but I, I can't do that. Yeah. We, uh, we can't get your private menagerie of elephants up here. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, that, no animal. I always tell people and I joke, no animals, no kids and uh, no live um, plants in the containers, please. And they always laugh because they're, you know, obviously they're not going to send them, but 
Um, that is one thing though, if you do need help with moving your pets, your mover should be able to help you with that. Um, we will not move live plants. Um, it's just not something we can do. They'll die no matter what time of year. It's just not something that we would move, but unless you're moving locally down in the lower 48, we can help you out with that. Gotcha. And Atlas terminals really doesn't want the PR nightmare of um killing people's plants so nobody wants that yeah no no <laughs> so i've got a couple questions here um sbr colorado just asking a question about the shipping ammo so we kind of talked a little bit about that before probably your best bet is to um was it carlisle carlisle yeah mm -hmm. yeah so go ahead and get a hold of carlisle and they're they're probably going to be your best source um either that or call some gun shop up here and see if they can have it brought up here or you can call a gun shop in your area and have it shipped up to one here yeah yeah, yeah. that either either one of those works yeah uh let me answer the one from diane campbell um well i guess we'll let you take this one cost and time frame to ship mid-size suv um diane can we get some more information where are you where are you coming from Give that just a second, but yeah, let's uh, let's say just for the sake of conversation, it's coming in from let's Georgia. Okay, so it's coming in from Georgia. Uh, an SUV. So we don't ship autos. Um, we don't even ship them with the household goods. We use Reindeer Auto for our um, shipments or locally right-way auto carriers. Um, off the top of my head from Georgia, depending on what kind of SUV, you're probably looking anywhere from $3,800 to $4,300 right now. And that's door-to-door -door service. Yeah, and that, uh, that, does sound, that does sound pretty pretty on point. I mean, I've talked with somebody recently when he um, you know, brought some vehicles over from Hawaii and that, that sounds pretty within the, the ballpark. Yep. All right. Let's see. Got another question here from SBR Colorado. Do you think it's worth to fly and buy a new car up in Alaska or attempt the drive? Hmm. Hmm. Let me, um, I'll take a stab at this one real quick and yeah. see what you think. So really you have to kind of step back and take a look at your vehicle first off and go take a look on uh, the local uh, Facebook marketplace stuff up here and try to get a sense for how much um, that vehicle is going to be worth in this market and how much life you have left on the vehicle. Um, usually, you know, usually lately, I'm going to say it's probably going to be worth it um, um, to maybe make the drive and, um, and just make that work. Um, if you have to put it on a barge, you certainly can. Um, it's, you know, like, um, um, Nicole was saying it's probably going to be a couple thousand dollars. I'm assuming if you just drive it up yourself and, and put it on the, the ferry or with whatever barge it is and get it up here that way. Um, you know, I think that could work. But lately in this market, I've seen it gets very expensive very quickly when you're trying to buy stuff after you get up here. Obviously, it's a lot easier, but you're going to you're probably going to be paying some like you're going to be out of pocket really no matter what here. So it's just a matter of are you going to be more out of pocket by selling it and taking that money and then buying something that's more expensive up here or keep what you got 
um, that's it's kind of a known quantity to you. Put it on the, you know, get it shipped up here, and then, you know, you're going to be paying more for it that way. Um, yeah, and you can also, I mean, if you're coming north to Alaska, uh, check out Alaska Marine Lines. You can get on Alaska Marine Lines, load your car full of your household goods or whatever you want to bring up here pretty much and pay that fee and, and drive with your car. Um, beautiful scenery too, you know? Yeah, it is. I actually just talked with somebody who did that just a little bit ago. Um, the main issue he ran into is uh, they, um, you know, like a lot of people, they went and camped out on the, out on the deck, you know, which is all fine and good when the weather is good, but yeah, it was great for the first day. Not so much for all the other nights after that. It was just raining the entire time. <laughs> yeah, I would say that's dependent on what time of year you're going to be traveling to. So, yeah, you know. so maybe maybe get a cabin. Yeah, on the ferry as you're coming up here for that. Yep. All right. Good deal. All right. Well, unless anyone else has any other questions, then we're going to go ahead and switch gears and kind of talk a little bit about, um, you know, kind of your experience with um, with living up here in Alaska over the years, kind of the pros and cons and the insights you have as a, as a parent, and then kind of talk specifically about Eagle River. Mm -hmm. So, you know, like you said, you've been up here for, uh, for just a little bit. Um, my entire life <laughs> your entire life yeah so yeah. been up here for a while at this point yeah so i guess from your perspective you know what are the pros what are the cons like um you know is this um is this something you'd sign up for again uh yeah so um yeah absolutely i mean alaska is wonderful and it's got everything anybody could ever imagine and want um Eventually, will I move? Probably so. But, you know, I mean, if you are wanting to have the, if you're okay with not having the accessibility of the lower 48 at your immediate beck and call, then you're good. It, you've got the hiking, you've got fishing, you've got hunting, you've got anything you want. There's sports. The biggest thing that I would urge people when they're moving here is to not lock yourself up in your house and get out and do stuff do the events, do the little, you know, if you're a runner, do the races. If you want to, you know, you have your kids go out and do the little fun activities that are put on in the winter, in the dark. Um, those are the things that most people, when they get here, don't understand is that you, you've got to keep going and keep moving and, and get out and do stuff and explore. And then it's not so bad. And then, and everybody here that lives in Alaska knows after winter solstice, then we, then it's like, amazing because the sun is out everything starts opening up and then you know you you get geared up going towards spring so yeah i'm would i do it again absolutely um and again i move people that i've known for years out of alaska and always tell them you will be back and verbatim they are back so <laughs> it's amazing <laughs> i just just can't get away <laughs> yep yep I just can't get away. I mean, I'd have to really, you know, really second you on the um, kind of talking about the need to really get out and, um, you know, really experience as much as you can. Because, I mean, it if you're not used to like the dark and the cold, yep. you know, like uh, you're coming from a completely different climate or you're coming from kind of a similar climate, but it's just, you know, a little bit, uh, 
you know, little, little easier yeah. um, than the, the climate we have up here, then it can, it can do a number on you. Like yeah. I, you know, I definitely have some, I haven't been diagnosed, so I don't want to do say exactly what I've got, but probably some form of like seasonal uh, depression or so it's probably what it is. Like it yeah. happens every year around the same months. I want to say, yeah. Um, yeah. And <laughs> you know, I always tell, and I was never a big firm believer on the vitamin D vitamin D is huge here. And we, 90% of us don't take enough of it. Um, vitamin D is huge. Exercise is huge. You know, you go to work in the dark, you leave work in the dark and it can really play a mental aspect on people. Um, get a happy light, put it at your desk, whatever you need to do. I mean, for me, I am out walking multiple times a day or running. I make sure that I have my four-legged furry friends with me and I'm constantly out. And if it's dark, it's dark. You wear the appropriate gear, but you get out. And it definitely helps for sure. Yeah. I mean, like you said before, really kind of leaning into community wherever it is that you find it is yep. probably one of the, the biggest things you can do. And yeah. I mean, it's it, it can be tough. Like there's um, a couple months out of the year, usually January, February, because I mean, after Christmas is done, like you've got nothing else to, to look forward to on the calendar until yeah. until summer. Yeah. So, you know, that's usually where it kind of sets in. And I mean, you have to kind of, you know, after a while, you kind of know what signs we're looking for. You suddenly start feeling sluggish and, you know, I'll just be sitting there like staring at the wall. It's like, okay, you have to get up and you have to go out. <laughs> you have to talk to somebody talk to right now. <laughs> yeah, you got to talk to a human. And there's so many things that you can do, whether you're in Anchorage or Wasilla or Eagle River, Palmer. Um, you know, we got a lot of great places that have weekly functions. You know, I know um, like in Eagle River, the summer, the Ale House and out in the valley, they had all their concerts and they did all that during the summer. I imagine they'll probably do the same in the winter. There's bazaars that you can go to. There's concerts that you can go to. There's plays that you can go to. Um, you know, there's a lot of things that. Like at Eagle River, they've got a, a magazine that comes out every couple of months that tells you what's going on in Eagle River. Um, the Valley, you could probably go and check out their stuff there too. And, um, you know, but yeah, there's a lot of stuff you can do in the community that that will help you keep moving and getting out. So, yeah, and that's, that's absolutely huge. I mean, even if you're just making up your own hobbies too, like it's. Yeah. Just do something like there's a there's a story a long time ago. I don't know if you remember this one, but um, the guy uh, this was, by the way, complete cabin fever. Wouldn't recommend it. You're probably going to get somebody who's going to be making a, a wellness call for you if they catch you doing this. But what he did is every day in the winter, you know, he had his uh, had his hose out there and he'd have it, you know, shoot up and then like it would like freeze and it would add like another six or whatever inches of like oh. ice on top of it. And yeah. then what he did is he took like a pipe and he like, you know, rammed it down and down there back to the hose and like did the whole process all over again and just saw how high he could get this this ice tower going. And <laughs> like the picture, it was legitimately, I think, like 50 to 70 feet up. Oh, God. Just big dumb ice tower in this guy's front yard it's like dude you're you're someone's gonna should have called the the people the wellness 
yeah. All the cops to do a wellness check a long time ago. <laughs> right. Yeah. That, that would be, uh, yeah, I, I definitely, if I saw my neighbor doing that, I'd be like, are you okay over there? <laughs> it's like, I was pretty sure your support systems has some holes in the net. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, that's funny. Yeah. So Eagle river then, um, let's, let's go and talk about that then. Um, you know, for, uh, for Eagle river, you know, how have you liked living there? Have you lived there like the entire time you've been up here? Um, so no, I was born in Anchorage, raised out in Anchorage, Palmer. I moved here probably about 15 years ago, um, with my kids and my husband at the time. And, uh, I like it. I like the schools. I like the community. The people is the people are great. Um, everybody's really nice. It's a military community, so you got a lot of military people around, which are great. Um, the hard part is is befriending them because they leave. So I've met some really amazing people that ended up moving away. Um, the one thing that I like about Eagle River is you're 30 minutes to the valley, you're 30 minutes to Anchorage. I mean, technically, Anchorage, you're 15 minutes because if you get to the Muldoon area. I'm 30 minutes from work, 30 minutes from the valley. So you're 30 minutes from the malls, shopping, work for some people, the opposite way out in the valley. You're out there for hiking, fishing, whatever you want to do out there. Go farming. You know, do you pick farm? You're you're in the immediate area of both locations. So it, it's it's amazing. And then at the same time, you look out your window and you got the views of Baldy or you're driving into town. You got the blacktail back there and you know you want to go to the nature center it's right down the road you can do that um lots of hiking biking fishing you name it it's all in eagle river but you also have that tight-knit community of great people and everybody supporting each other and then if you want to venture out to the other sides they're just a hop skip and jumping away right right i mean one question that i get from people fairly often you know, they uh, they see a smaller community. Maybe they came from like a, a really small town before and kind of had a bad impression just with everybody kind of getting up in their business. So um, I can say it all day long, but kind of what's your impression about um, it being so small where, I mean, people yeah. are going to be up in your business. If you don't wave at somebody as you're going by, you're going to be in trouble later. Like how uh, what's been what's your impression of that? I don't, you know, I mean, where I live right now, I mean, it's a, it's a neighborhood where everybody pretty much lives on top of each other and we all pretty much just keep to ourselves. I mean, if you don't wave, you don't wave. If you do, you do. Um, depending on where you live in Eagle River, that might be different. Um, you know, there's the Highland area. Those people are all separated, so they're not really on top of each other. Um, but if you're wanting to live in a community like that, where everybody waves at you and is high, says hi to you all the time, your best bet would be to go to Palmer <laughs> for that because that's how they are there. Here, it's a little different because it's it's like Anchorage and Palmer combined. So you get a mixture of the two. You get some people that wave and some people that don't. And really nobody takes it personally, I don't think. hope not. <laughs> Yeah, hopefully not. I, I think that's probably the best description I've heard of Eagle River. It's kind of a combination of Palmer and Anchorage. Yeah. I mean, it's a little bit of 
everything. So, you know, we have all of the restaurants, we've got all the stuff that Anchorage does, except for the movie theater anymore. And you get the military, you get the big city, you get the everything in between. And so it's sort of a hodgepodge of everything. So you get it all in one. And most people don't take offense to not waving at each other, you know? Um, it's just one of those things that it's, it's a little bit different. If you want the, hi, how are you waving? Go to the Valley. <laughs> Everybody's very friendly there and that's how they do things. Here's more city country at the same time. Yeah. And kind of the good thing about Eagle river is it's not like, it's only about 34,000 people. So for most people who come from larger communities, it's still going to have kind of that small town feel, but yeah. I mean, you're still going to have the Fred Myers. You're still going to have Walmart, um, the Walmart Best Buy is like 15 minutes away. You've still Chico got Lowe's is like 15 minutes away. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to have a ton of Mexican restaurants you can choose from. <laughs> <laughs> Mexican or Chinese you choose. They're all here. <laughs> yeah, that's that's it. Like, I don't know what it is, but yeah, they uh, they came in with a force and that's pretty much all the restaurants we have now. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's definitely, uh, I think we have more Mexican and Chinese food than we do anything else. So, <laughs> yep, absolutely. So, I do have one question here from John Wolf How is Alaska for people that are into four wheeling? Um, I'm going to let you answer that one first. <laughs> um, yeah, it's amazing. I'm not going to lie. Um, you can go anywhere. Um, so, out in the Matsu Valley, still to this day you can drive down the side of the road on your four-wheeler eagle river you cannot um you can load up and go out to the matsu valley you can go to knick river you can go out into many places uh for four-wheeling atv and utvs whatever you want um there's a lot of places to go so um yeah it's it it's very highly recommended here that you have a utv or an atv uh as recreation and a snow snow machine. I'm going to say snow machine and somebody's going to be like, what is a snow machine? It's, it's snowmobile. <laughs> I, I I get those two mixed up all the time. All I know is there's a big visceral reaction if I get them mixed up. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I get uh, it a lot. <laughs> oh yeah, no, totally. Um, Alaska is kind of the Mecca. If you're going to be using any kind of ATVs, UTVs like this is going to be kind of the, the place to be yeah. um, the place that I currently live. I mean, some of my best running trails are just like the ATV trails that are right alongside the road. So oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's great. Uh, let's see here. So I guess talking a little bit more about Eagle river, mm -hmm. um, what was kind of your experience with, with being a parent in Eagle River? Like what were some of the, the likes you had? What were some of the, the dislikes? I, I can't really say that I had any dislikes. Um, I moved my kids from the Valley to here when they were, one was in elementary and which was right across the street from my house. And then the other into junior high. Um, I guess the only thing that I didn't like was that the uh, Mirror Lake middle school was so far away um that i didn't like um but i didn't really have any issues with the school so to speak i i felt that they were adequate and did their jobs and um communicated well with the families it's been years though since my kids have been in school so i don't know how much things have changed gotcha gotcha 
Yeah, because, I mean, Eagle River seems pretty well set up for kind of supporting families and kids. And, you know, that really has kind of been my impression of the community. Obviously, I don't have any kids myself, but, you know, just speaking with a a lot of people, that's kind of been my impression from what I've seen of the town. But Yeah, I mean, they're huge on sports. Uh, Hockey is huge here. Football is huge here. Volleyball is huge here. My kids were wrestlers, so wrestling is huge here. Wrestling is huge in the state of Alaska, period. Um, You know, there's all sorts of things, and most of the parents here that have kids are involved in sports, especially during the wintertime because what else are you going to do? And so they get really involved in their sports, and it's, it's actually pretty awesome to watch. Yeah, it's it's a little bit of that uh, that West Texas uh, sports vibe up here for sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah, for sure. <laughs> All right, got a question real quick from Money Dog. So, what would you think for a retired person to live in Willow? Monthly cost of living if he was to purchase his own home with cash. So, uh, let me let me take this one first. Mm-hmm. If you're just buying a place with cash, uh, the first question would be, are we looking at a dry cabin? Are we looking at, um, you know, buying land and parking some kind of an RV on it? Um, if you're looking at just doing a dry cabin and just heating it with wood, um, your cost and everything is going to be pretty low. Um, the big question I would have is really kind of maintenance on the structure. Like what's your plan as far as the the heating goes? And the other one is just kind of the, obviously you're going to have to pay for like groceries and stuff like that. Uh, me personally, I'll usually spend around 250, maybe 350 or so all in on, on like food and groceries, and all that stuff um, every month. Now, you know, I'm a single guy and I'm going to like Costco a lot and buying things in bulk. So, you know, take whatever estimate I give you with a big grain of salt uh, for some people, that might be a lot less. That might be a lot more. So, um, so I, I think you, if you have your your housing all figured out and you're in Willow, the lifestyle there isn't that it's going to be big and expensive. I think you could probably do it for like probably under fifteen hundred. Even that might be might be high. Um, but what do you think, Nicole? Well, I mean, it depends too if they decide to do solar. Because then if they do solar, then, you know, you have your backup generator for your um, for your electricity. So your electric bill would be low, but then you got gas and gas is really expensive right now. Um, if you do propane heat like I do at my cabin out in Willow, um, you know, it's it can get expensive. Um, but in general, I mean, it depends on what part of Willow, though, because. You've got Willow and then you've got further in between like Talkeetna, in between Talkeetna and Willow, there's the Caswell area. And that's, you know, I mean, their house is back there, basically. So I think that, you know, if you're not planning to drive into Anchorage on a regular basis to get your groceries and you can get them all out there and support local, then, yeah, I think you're about right about what the cost would be per, per month. And again, depending on if you're doing solar, depending on what you're using for heat, if you're doing wood right now, a quart of wood is over a thousand dollars. So, I mean, hopefully you're not doing wood and you got to make sure you're getting good wood, you know? So, um, I would say if you're going to have a place out in Willow, I would do fuel and have it delivered. If it's going to be your permanent residence anyway. 
Yeah. I mean, I have a lot of people reach out and they want to use, uh, I think it's like the, the wood stove is the primary source of heat and you can do that. Um, but it is going to be a lot of work. Like even if you've got 10, 20 acres, you've got all the wood in the world. It is still a lot of work. Well, yeah. Cause you got to cut, cut it, split it. It's got to dry. You don't want to, you aren't going to heat your house with wet wood. Yeah. Found that out the hard way. Yeah. <laughs> so, also, and yeah. One yeah, of the, the other things is with the wood stove, you've got to make sure that you can insure your house with a wood stove because not all places will insure you if you have a wood stove. Um, I found that at least at my cabin, um, that that can't be your primary source of heat in order for you to have insurance on your place. You have to have two different types. So I have propane and wood at my cabin um, and that can be insured. Right, right. And that, that really is the big thing. I know there are like some cabin loans specifically, but yeah, usually you need to have like two sources of, of heat in there. Yeah. And, you know, kind of what you mentioned about the, the type of wood too. Um, mm -hmm. This might be a sidebar. I don't know if anyone's really going to get any value out of, but um, if you're going to burn it, like try to go with, um, try to go with the birch as best as you can and just peel the bark off of that. Cause I mean the, the bark, yeah, it ignites really quickly. It'll burn yep. really well, but it's can create a lot of creosole. That's kind of this, uh, this black sooty stuff that gets caked like mm -hmm. up and down the side of the, of the chimney pipe. Yep. So yeah, obviously you want to try to keep that down as much as you can. Mm -hmm. um, you know, birch works pretty good as well but it's it's going to be very it's going to be very hot it's going to burn fast and then you've got the the sap and all that other stuff that can get up and in the chimney too so yep yeah birch dry birch is going to be a pretty good source for you yep all right we've got a couple more questions here so what is a rough estimate on a cost for a dry cabin with loft with today's supply chain issues you know so supply chain issues. So we're talking about building something or an existing one. Um, you know what? Cabins, I've, I've done a little bit with them. Not a whole lot, though. So I'd say probably with a loft. You know, and uh, Cole, tell me if I'm completely off base. Mm -hmm. But I bet you could probably get a, a dry cabin with a loft. Probably under two, like 200,000. Is that uh depending on the acreage you i mean depending on where you're at right um there's some places where my cabin's at it's in caswell and i mean some of those places are seven or eight thousand dollars for a dry cabin with nothing but the cabin nothing's done to the property you just go there and and, and it's there's no electricity there's no nothing just um, middle of the woods yeah, but if you're wanting anything else, I mean, two hundred thousand out in Caswell, that is a mansion. <laughs> really? Um, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Depending on how much land you have, I mean, my cabin is quite large, and it only appraises at thirty thousand. So, and and it's on an acre and a half, or half an acre. So, um, it just depends on where you're going, I think. And you can actually go onto the Matsu Borough um, uh, page and see what they have out there and see what everything is listed at too. So, which you can do. Um, I don't know. Cause I bought my, my place, the land itself by itself. And then we built. So 
I don't know what a dry cabin would be, but yeah, 200,000 would be quite high, I would think. Gotcha. And yeah, that's, um, that's just kind of throwing, just kind of throwing it out there. Um, and obviously I'm assuming some kind of acreage in there, but I mean, there's just so much, I mean, it's just like a a house, you know, you've got a ton of variables and the cabin's going to be the same way. Like, yeah, like you're saying, is it in Caswell? Is it in Willow proper? Are we talking Meadow Lakes? Like talking a lake, are you on a lake with a dock? Um, you know, there's a lot of variables, so it can range from really super cheap with a little shack on the property to a a big place, you know, on lots of land. I mean, there's some places that are flying that have a dry cabin with a loft that you have to fly in or, you know, get in another way. And yeah, you're talking 200,000 all day long, but that's a lot of acreage too. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. All right, let me pull this one up real quick here from K10A. So is Matsu Valley a place for younger people in their 20s without kids from a big lower 48 city, or is Anchorage going to be an option? I'll uh, I'll let you take that one first. Uh, I would say go to the Matsu Valley. Um, right now, the Matsu Valley is pretty much got everything that Anchorage does, uh, less crime that I'm aware of. Um, Anchorage is just so congested and you're not going to find, I personally don't think, and I could be wrong. You're not going to find what you want in the house, um, price range in Anchorage that you're not sitting on top of somebody, um, being in your twenties, I think the Matsu Valley is going to give you more options, more stuff to do. Um, again, you're only an hour out from Anchorage. So if you want to go to Anchorage and see a play or well, I don't know what young 20 year olds do these days. <laughs> but uh, You know, I mean, I, I personally, if my son was to come back from North Carolina, I would be urging him to move to the Valley versus move to Anchorage or Eagle river. Yeah. I mean, it all comes down to what yeah. you're, you know, what it is that you're wanting to do too. Yeah. Um, and kind of what you're into as well. If you're really outdoorsy and, like you're going to spend every spare minute outside like Matsu Valley. Mm-hmm. Um, you're probably going to find a better niche over there. And I mean, housing by and large is going to be on the cheaper mm-hmm. side over here. And then you can still commute into Anchorage and get the higher paying job. Now, the price of fuel lately, you know, what people, okay, well, let me back up. What people were doing for all the years leading up till now and in the current time is live in the Matsu Valley where the cost of housing is a lot lower. Average sold price here is right around, right about 385 uh, for a house. Whereas the average sold price in Anchorage is right around 475 or so, if I recall correctly. Yeah. And looking at the rent, the average rent in Anchorage is about 1400 average rent over in the Matsu Valley is closer to 11. So a lot of people would, um, live in the Matsu Valley because it's cheaper to live. And then they would go work in Anchorage where the wages are going to be higher Mm -hmm. with the cost of gas being what it is though. I'm really curious to see like what the, how that, that shakes out though. Well, it's cheaper for gas in the Matsu Valley than it is in Eagle river and Anchorage. So I'm in the Valley quite a bit and I actually fill up in the Valley whenever I'm there, even if I'm at a half a tank because the gas is cheaper in the Valley than it is in Anchorage or Eagle river. Perfect. So guys, my battery is starting to go a little low here. We are just going to go until this thing dies on us though. So (laughs) if I suddenly cut out, that's, that's what's going on. So let's see. 
looking at Rocky Mountain Trader, Willow, I hear propane and wood. What about heating oil? Average price per month. Oh, well, I don't know what the average price per month is because I don't use heating oil. But yes, you can do heating oil and they will actually deliver it out in Willow um, into Talkeetna and all of that. Um, I think it's Fisher's Fuel is who does the deliveries out there. Um, so you could probably check their website to find out what the average price is per month. Um, but if you get a big enough tank, you don't have to do it per month. You can do it per six months, so to speak. Yeah, and that's that's a smart way to do it. And uh, did you mention how much it would cost uh, to bring out a, a tank? I don't know that either, but you can buy a tank from, usually sometimes you can buy them used. Um, you can buy a tank and have them delivered. I don't know what the cost is. I saw a tank actually on um, Marketplace and they were selling a big tank out of Big Lake for like $350. Um, but, you know, you got to have a stand for it and all of that stuff too. So, um, yeah, I, I, I really don't know a whole lot about the fuel. I do know Fisher Fuel is who you would talk to for um, getting the cost. And then they should be able to help you out with any of that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty useless when it comes to uh, talking about oil and stuff, guys, not going to lie. Um, I know about it a little bit just cause I was looking for a little bit at a uh, purchasing um, uh, property over in Seward. And um, so kind of had to get familiar with it there, but yeah, I haven't, I haven't personally worked with a whole lot of them. Uh, let's see. Mr. Stan's Percival, $1,000 a cord for wood. Yep. Not too long ago. I cut split and sold delivered for, wow, $75 a cord. Wow. That's yeah, uh, that's a, that's that a, was, that was a bargain for the time. I'd be buying <laughs> like five cords right now for my cabin. I can't. Yeah. I, I mean, I literally was trying to get some wood and it was wet wood and they wanted $750 for a cord of wood for wet wood. So oh. yeah, if you want dry, you're going to pay a lot right now. Yeah. I mean, I've kind of got the same issue right now. Like the, it was just such a rainy season. I went out and like cut a bunch of wood on my property and, um, you know, brought it over, just going to use that. But I mean, even sitting under the tarp for like a, a month or so, it's still kind of wet wood. So drying it out i've got like two big fans just blowing on it in the garage trying to to dry that out but make um, sure yeah. you have it standing up like this don't have it laying down like this if you have it standing up like this it'll dry faster that is a really good point and um yeah i'll have to i mean the whole stack almost did that anyway like i had <laughs> it all stacked up i i feel like i put my like shamed my father or something like i had it all stacked up and the blocks I had on either end didn't work. It just collapsed on both sides, like <laughs> almost fell over on top of us too. So yeah. it was a disaster. So yeah, that uh, we're, we're halfway there. <laughs> Let's yeah, just put sure. it that way. <laughs> All right. From Mr. Joe Wolf, what internet connection options are available in Wasilla? I work in tech and need a decent, reliable connection. Not worried so much about costs. I am budgeting $300 a month. So I personally use MTA and I think I've got some kind of a business plan with them. I think it's roughly about 140 a month. And I mean, it's, it's pretty decent. I haven't really had any issues with it up till now. Um, I will also say though, like if I'm uploading, downloading stuff, I am definitely going to go just mooch off of like my office's 
Wi-Fi and use their stuff for doing that. Cause that's really how you consume a lot of your, your internet. Yeah. But yeah. Anything to add to that? Um, no, I use GCI. Um, I work from home two days a week. Um, I don't know. I, I, I use them for everything, but, uh, Verizon I heard is pretty reasonable. I was looking at maybe going to them. I did. I used to have MTA, but I switched out from them. It was more expensive. But for a business account, that's not bad. 150. That's pretty good. Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, not too shabby. Not too shabby. Now I did have to tell them to, to knock off all them a ton of like extra stuff they kept trying to add in there. And it's like, oh, for just a little bit more, you can get this protection of okay. blah blah blah. That's like, I mean, or or just not click on any links I don't need to click on. Yeah. <laughs> Stuff like that. All right, Mr. Money Dog. So how do you feel about Willow for Living as well as I like my hunting and fishing and exploring? Okay, so we're talking about living in Willow just as a place to live. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, Nicole, you're a much better. Uh, it, again, it depends on what part of Willow you're talking. Um, there's. I mean, Willow in general is beautiful. So if you want to like live where there's nobody really around except for the little bit of the Willow community, it's an amazing place. Uh, it's got a grocery store, a little mini one. Um, you know, there's little couple gas stations. There's little things that the community does itself. Um, I don't live there, so I can't really like give you like huge like woohoo go live in willow but if you want to hunt and fish and exploring Willow's not a bad place because again you're in between with willow you've got the caswell meadow lakes area you've got talkeetna and then you can go further into denali so and then you go the opposite way and you can get houston and you've got um Wasilla. so if you want to live remote but not so remote that you're in the middle of nowhere willow is probably not a bad idea yeah yeah there's um, um for a lot of you who are watching you're probably also watching some off-grid youtube channels and um, willows may or may not be the area that uh, that those individuals kind of um gravitate towards so yeah <laughs> I, I, the... yeah there's a i mean a lot of the sled dog teams live out in the willow area um so it's not as remote you still have the internet you still have all of that. It's just more wide open, more widespread, I should say. You don't live on top of each other. You don't really have neighbors that are right next to you. Um, it's not a bad place. It's beautiful. Um, just, you know, I like my Eagle River. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, me personally, I, I need some more people around. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean, I think Wasilla is probably about the smallest I can go before I start start feeling the walls closing in on me just yeah. <laughs> because there are so few people. If that's uh if that yeah. makes sense, <laughs> need to have a, need to have a little bit more people around me. I don't want to live in an apartment necessarily, but I do need more people around. Yeah. All right. Couple more here. This one from Alicia. So should I look for a house with a sump pump in most areas of the Matsu Valley? So um, if you can, it's best if you can find a place with a sump pump if it's necessary. And when I say it's necessary is, does it have a crawl space? Because what we've seen is if it's just like a, a slab of concrete for the foundation, you're not going to 
like the the sump pump is going to be irrelevant to you. Um, in most areas, you know, they're going to have some kind of a, a sump pump, especially if it seasonally they do get a lot of moisture down there. Um, really, the big thing when you're going down into the crawl space initially is you want to look and see if you can see signs of any kind of water staining on top of the vapor barrier. And the vapor barrier is just this this piece of thick plastic that they lay down on the ground just to make sure the moisture actually stays down into the ground and doesn't go up into the house in any way. So that's that's really the big thing. Um, sump mm -hmm. pump is not a, a deal breaker, especially if the ground doesn't particularly get, get wet during the, the breakup season. Mm -hmm. um, if you have a crawl space, I mean, all of them are going to have some level of moisture in them just because you know, that's, that's how it works, especially during the, the breakup season, because you've got all those months worth of snow piling up. It's all melting. It's going into the ground. It's got to go somewhere. So, yeah, yeah that's uh, that's my two cents there. And do you have anything you want to add to that? Um, no, I have a soap pump. I mean, I know when it's springtime because you can hear it out your window at night. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Working then overtime. Yeah, then you got to go down and check to make sure that it, everything is okay down there. Um, the people, well, the, my next door neighbors that are attached to me, they not them, but in particular, but they had an, an issue where their sump pump was not going off. They moved out and had, for whatever reason, plugged up the sinks and let the water run, and there was major flooding. And when we went over and opened up the crawl space, you couldn't get into the crawl space because it was full of water. So, oh. Yeah. It's awful. Yeah, so it was bad. But I mean, I think that especially where I live, you need a sump pump. I'm on a on a rock. And so anything around me goes underneath in the springtime when the snow melts. So, yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, lately I'm probably less concerned about sump pumps and like moisture in the crawl space. I'm probably mm -hmm. more thinking about radon, honestly. Mm -hmm. Which this is something I um, you know, found out about just like a week or so ago that apparently radon is the um, Alaska is the number one uh, place in the country for radon. And mm -hmm. for those of you who don't know, it's a um, completely odorless gas that kind of goes up through the ground just as a result of the, all the decomposition that's going on um, below the surface. And it can, you know, can create cancer if you're coming into a lot of contact with it. So it's just coming up through the ground. You know, you may or may not even be, be aware of it. And yeah. I haven't run into any of it just yet. So I'm not really sure where they get the stats saying Alaska is number one. But yeah, do they you know, do a test for that? Yeah, they certainly can. It's like an extra 170 bucks that you can pay for. So <laughs> Good yeah, I'm, yeah. I mean, I I might I might go have it done in my place just to just to make sure. But I mean, even if it does, it is there. Like the solution really is just okay. Well, we get a pipe and we exhaust it out that way, and boom, not a problem. Yeah. Like you can have all the radon in the world in the crawl space, from what I've been told. And as long as it doesn't get into the living area, it's just no factor. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. All right. Well, unless anyone else has any, oh, guess one more question here. So, does uh, going back to wood here? Does anyone deliver wood in full length on truck trailer, not cut and split? I'm willing to cure and process myself. Price, if you know. 
Um, uh, you probably could do that. Um, you would probably have to ask around. Um, check the boards on the at the grocery stores for people selling wood. Odds are, you know, a lot of those guys work for themselves. Cut, and they go and they make the trees fall, load them up, cut them, split them, and do that. So. I would imagine if you found somebody that was selling wood on one of those boards or on the marketplace on face page, um, you could probably get somebody to deliver you uncut wood. Probably another idea I have is if we have, I mean, we've have a lot of construction in the Matsu Valley. And yep. if you, if you approach a builder and say, Hey, give me the word, I'll show up, I'll cut the tree for you and get this out of your way. Just mm -hmm. tell me the date you, and consider it done. I mean, you do that. Um, they might be. They might just say, "Yeah, go for it." I'm not sure what their relationship is with the the wood companies, like if they make money off of that or not. But yeah, um, I don't know. Yeah, might might be worth it though. Yeah. All right, <laughs> got a couple more here. As soon as I say we're just about done, like the questions come in again. So Jacob, uh, Matsu Valley or Kenai Peninsula? Um, <clears throat> Oh, that's a toughie. Mm. Depends what you're into, I guess. Like me personally, like if I'm looking for a place to just kind of decompress, get away from it all and try to put the pieces back together, Kenai Peninsula is is kind of my go-to. Mm -hmm. um, but I mean, if I'm just looking for a place where like I want to live and, you know, do everything else, Probably more yeah. Matsu Valley, which, you know, is good because that's that's where I live. So <laughs> yeah. that's lucky. I would say the same thing, too. I like to go to Kenai. Well, I do dog sports, so I like to go to Kenai for that and just chill and look at the ocean or the, the rivers or just take a quick hike. I don't know that I'd want to live there. Uh, it's just too far from everything. And, yeah, they got stuff there. But if I had to move from Eagle River, it would be the valley. I wouldn't I wouldn't move to Kenai. I'd go there to visit, but I wouldn't go to, to live. Yeah. I'd, uh, I'd really explore, like for a while there, I was really looking at getting an, an Airbnb down in Seward, but yeah, the, uh, real estate gods decreed it was not to be this year. So, yeah. <laughs> Oh, got some more clarity here. So from Jacob again here, uh, for raising a family that is all the hunting and fishing you could do. Hmm. You know, I'm not even sure Kenai. They I mean, do. fishing, yes. Ton of fishing. I'm not you can go hunting. You can candy. go hunting. Okay. There. Yeah, there's caribou hills, but I don't know. You can, and I think you can do bear hunting there. I'm assuming that you could do moose hunting, but that's more the valley, I would assume. But there's caribou hills that people hunt there all the time. It depends, I guess, what he wants to hunt. Yeah. Caribou hills. Is this literally hills upon which caribou stand or is this a place like what is this it's called caribou hills and people ride snowmobiles there <laughs> atvs there's hunting back there from what i gather um but it's called caribou hills and i think that they do do most hunting out there because i'm pretty sure that they do but again it's kenai so i just go there for the views <laughs> yeah yeah and the hike <laughs> whatever they're into over there yeah <laughs> not sure all right one more question here from k10a what is the daily commute like into anchorage in the winter months from the matsu valley so it uh 
<laughs> you're gonna be spending some gas money that's uh that's the first one i'm gonna say yep. um i live kind of north side of wasilla so i'm about as far away as you can get and um not very centrally located i actually used to, to live in eagle river myself just a little bit ago and um yeah very centrally located where i'm at now not so much um, it is about as far away from ever, like even showings in the Matsu Valley. It's like, oh man, that's still a long ways away. What happened? <laughs> you still you have this away, <laughs> man. Yeah, it it gets you. It gets you. I got caught sideways in a Airbnb transaction, <laughs> and here I am now. <laughs> but yeah, so if we're um, yeah, if we're looking at uh, the commute there, I'd say probably from where I'm at probably take about an hour or so to get into Anchorage. But I mean, I'm still a long ways in there. If you're going into uh, going in a place that's closer to Wasilla proper, or even a bit closer to Palmer, you're probably looking somewhere closer to like 40, maybe even 30 minutes, depending on where you're at. Yeah, if you're in Point McKenzie area, that's where you're at. You're you're more like an hour, hour 20, hour 30. Depending if you're out towards Hatchers, that's an hour, hour 30 on, on a, on a bad day, I yeah. would say on a bad day and depending on what time you're, you're leaving too. So if you're a five o'clock commute in the morning, an hour easy from pretty much anywhere, I would think in Wasilla. Um, but if you're a seven o'clock in the morning commute, I don't know, that's rough. <laughs> That could be an hour and a half all day long. Yeah, that's that could very well be the case. And I mean, yeah. another uh, kind of underlying question here I want to answer too. Um, the roads during the wintertime are usually not necessarily going to delay you too much, especially mm -hmm. if we're talking about the big highways, because literally almost the entire population of the state travels on those roads every day. So. If it does snow, they are really quick, Johnny, on the spot to get that cleared out. Usually it'll be yeah. like all cleared out by the time you're ready to go to work in the morning. Yeah, the, the only problem that I ever see, well, and it's usually not from Wasilla Palmer to Anchorage. It's when it gets to Birchwood, Eagle River area, because everything goes and condenses down. The accidents, if there's an accident on the road, sometimes it can shut you down for a good hour. You could sit there sometimes for an hour. It just depends, though. Yeah, and I'm going to say this, and um, don't need anyone's judgment. I am just going to say this. Um, your sympathy kind of goes away a little bit for, for Rex after <laughs> sat in traffic for an hour or two. Mm -hmm. After that, you go by them. It's like part of you is like, oh, I hope, you know, I hope their insurance is going to cover that. And the part of you is just like, dude, you just wasted an hour of everybody's life because you because you impatient. Well, and, and I always laugh is every, and it happens every time it snows is everybody with the big four by four pickup trucks that think they can just keep driving like 70, 80 miles per hour. They're the ones in the ditches that cause the crashes. Every, every time, time. <laughs> every time it's like, I mean, it's such a transitory state. Like you're going to have about 30% of the people on the road are learning how to do it for the first time. So that's going to yeah. happen, but yeah. Um, you know, take it slow the first couple of weeks and yeah, you got a big truck and it's actually, I'd rather have like, um, like, um, I don't know what's, what's, what are the egg cars? Is that a fusion? No, it's not a fusion. Like the little <laughs> electric car. Oh, yeah, like I, I, 
like a Honda Pilot would do fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd rather that over a truck, just because at least you don't have all the the fish tailing going on with all that dead space back there. I, and for me, I mean, I have a truck, and I do do four wheel drive, but ninety percent of the time, I'm not in four wheel drive because you hit a spot, and it, it, it you're in four wheel drive. It's you're going, and it and you're gone, <laughs> you know. And I have I have creatures in the back of my truck that I drive around, so. You know, I got the weight and I got the sandbags and all of that. But if you're in four wheel drive, it's just like this and it doesn't matter. You know, two wheel drive is your friend and drive slow <laughs> or yeah. all wheel drive. Yeah. Being uh, really the big thing is what vehicle is going to keep you safe, but not give you so much confidence that you're going to be acting a fool out on the road. <laughs> Forget yeah. you're driving on ice. I like being up higher above everybody being in a car scares me because it's so low to the ground, but um, yeah, you just got to drive safe and slow. I mean, you know what, if you're going to be 10 minutes late to work, it's better than your car being totaled or worse, you know, I mean, you end up, you know, so bigger trouble. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just take your time and be slow, be cautious, keep the cars lengths in between you and get in the slow lane. Don't drive in the fast lane. <laughs> Yeah, stay out of the left. Stay out of the left. I mean, yeah. usually you can still drive like the 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 highway speed limit during the winter time, but yeah, yeah, you just always have to be aware of your surroundings and yeah, for the love of everything good. Don't try to be the person trying to go eighty miles an hour when it just snowed. <laughs> no, no, agree. <laughs> All right, got a couple more here. You still good? Yeah. Okay. Okay. So another one here from Money Dog. How do you feel about a person coming to visit this year to look for a home or a piece of property to build? That is doable. Um, and contact me and we will set that up. Mm -hmm. Let's see. Okay, here's one from Alicia again. Um, how aware of fault lines should I be when looking at areas to settle? Hmm, you know... We are close to a lot of fault lines here. I could yeah. not tell you where they're at. And no. But you I'm, could contact um, Noah and probably find that out. I would yeah. say don't move to Eagle River because we're all they're all over. <laughs> we got hit. Eagle River got hit the hardest during that major earthquake. Um, but I think you could probably find that out by reaching out to Noah. Yeah, Eagle River was interesting during the earthquake because... Um, I mean, there's fault lines and everything over there, but I was actually talking with the, the engineers who was looking at it. He said, well, what it was is we had all the, the hard bedrock from the mountains right there. Oh. So we'd have all the, the ricochet and the, the wave yeah. of, the, of the earthquake going this way. Then it would hit the mountain and it would just reverberate back. Gotcha. Okay. At the same time, you have that new wave coming in. So yeah. it was just rocking and rolling there for a little bit yeah um, yeah meanwhile like the epicenter was like big lake so i don't know yeah. what the, i don't know what their their story is and how their life was like but yeah not great across the channel no, <laughs> not for us no. all right well i think we're uh all wrapped up here nicole i do I really know. appreciate it you know it's, yeah, it's been great yeah it's been uh great as always very uh very helpful for people who are thinking of moving up here. Um, for people who are looking for help and kind of um, figuring out 
um, you know, what their what their moving steps are going to be and um, trying to figure out if uh, who they should hire to help them. What's going to be the best way for them to get in contact with you? Um, so you can go to our website. Um, um, it's uh, Alaska Terminals is the name of our company. We're an Atlas Van Lines agent here in Anchorage. Um, you can Google us and check out our reviews and it'll lead you to our website. Um, and yeah, just send a message if you want to. You can go to our Facebook page on um, Facebook, message through there. It goes directly to me um, and I can answer questions if you know, anywhere through the Better Business Bureau, stuff like that, you can get connected to us. Just send us a call, send us a message, and we'll help you out. Okay. Outstanding. Outstanding. And yeah. one more thing I'm going to do here. Uh, we started a, a Facebook page just a little bit ago for people who are going to be moving up here. And this is a private page, so you're not going to be able to find it anywhere else. And what this page is, for those of you who are considering moving up here, you can go ahead, go join it. And, you know, it's intentionally kept to be a pretty small group. And this is designed to kind of be your first community as you're moving up here. So these yeah. are people who are in the same phase you're going through. You can ask questions there, um, you know, meetups and, you know, go create our own community there for those of you who are moving up here for the first time. So. Um, that's a great resource. I just dropped the link for that here in the, the little comment section. So make sure you click on that link. It is the first 20 people who click on it and um, it's going to be good for them. Or I think it's up good for up to 24 hours. So for those of you who are wanting to jump into that group, certainly feel free to reach out to me on Facebook. I'll send it over to you. Um, it's not my decision on the the 24 people clicking on it and then the the link goes dead so not my thing but um thanks for watching um nicole yeah. you're awesome thank you again yeah, you and, well. and we'll uh we'll see the rest of you soon thanks for joining